Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and I am joined for the second time by the one and only Twitter icon, apparently NBA expert at Oddshark, the one and only Chris Walder. Thanks so much for for taking the time and and doing this. I appreciate it. How are things? Thanks for having me, man. Second time appearance. I'm flattered that you had me back. Clearly didn't screw up the first time, so I'm super stoked. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't been k- kicked off of X yet or Twitter or what everybody else wants to call it or whatnot. And uh, yeah, I'm with Odd Shark now, you know, the man of uh, a thousand job titles in the past and NBA expert is probably pushing it. But here I am with you here today, ready to talk some hoops, buddy. What about NBA Twitter expert? Would that Does that sound better? Does that sound more Got- that's pushing it, man. Like if you saw some of the notifications on my Twitter, you'd think that like I was the world's worst person. But no, I'm definitely not an expert on social media. Just happy to be a part of the grand scheme of things. Um, obviously, this uh, you know you're such a you know big uh, Raptors fan, cover the team for for Odd Shark, and obviously Raptors Republic as well. That people don't know, but just what are your you know I don't even know if I want to give you like a give a grade or scale one to ten, but just what are your thoughts on this? Raptors season that's really gone and maybe it's almost been like three seasons and one with all the trades and the ups and downs and just what have your thoughts been so far of this of this season yeah it's it's kind of gone exactly how I envisioned it like I mean we all kind of anticipated that there were going to be wholesale changes with the roster Pascal Siakam was likely going to get dealt OG Ananobi was the first chip to fall, so to speak, when he got chipped off to the New York Knicks. But I had honestly very limited expectations going into this season. I just figured, hey, like win as many games as you can or maybe hopefully lose a lot of games so you can preserve that pick that you gave up in that Jakob Pertle trade, which isn't exactly aging well, but that's an entirely different story altogether. But no, I I think, I think we are where we are and I'm not the least bit surprised. We're kind of hopefully vying for a play in tournament spot, but there are a lot of detractors out there who think we should be tanking as many games as possible to preserve that pick. I'm kind of somewhere in between. I like watching a winning product on the basketball court, but at the same time, I'm also cognizant of the fact that this team isn't going anywhere as constructed. It's just about incorporating these new pieces like the RJ Barrett's and the Emmanuel Quickly's of the world. Kind of figure out what you have with the top end of the roster. Uh, you know, if Brown's going to be around next season, how many more minutes are you going to give Grady Dick? A lot of questions to be answered. So no big surprises. I'm just along for the ride. Yeah, I think that's interesting that you talk about just the, the pick. And obviously the Raptors added somewhat at the late at the deadline with the Linux. Um, and Abaji, but um, it it is a, a bit of a conundrum. And I know I, I know you said just now that you feel like you're stuck in the middle. I feel that too. I feel as though it would be pretty nice to to have maybe a top five or six pick. At the same time, it's it's obviously protected. So if you win the lottery, you win the lottery, and uh, you know that'd be good too. But um, the twenty twenty four draft is not supposed to be a great draft. 2025 is supposed to be really good. So uh, I would rather maybe, uh, you know, let uh, San San Jose, I'm in hockey world, San Antonio (laughs) get get, uh, the pick this year. And then maybe we can, uh, you know, get a, even if it's like the 10th pick next year, it's probably much better than the the sixth pick this year, but you never know. 
Yeah, but like at, at the same time, I, I always kind of look back at that championship team that won in 2019 and how many lottery picks were a part of that roster. Obviously, a lot of guys who established themselves later in their careers, but I always hate this notion that a draft is generally considered weak. Like, look at the guys the Raptors were building around as of late. Like, how high did Siakam go in his draft? How high was Ananobi? There's always kind of diamonds in the rough that you can pick later on. And that's why I was initially skeptical of acquiring all these first round picks, where, which weren't exactly projected to be very high but with the front office's track record it's it's been hit or miss as of late there's always going to be like a, a malachi flynn tossed around in there but i'm sure the raptors if they do their scouting right they can find some guys that could be a part of this roster moving forward so yeah i've always hated that notion yeah it's a terrible draft like the raptors should just not care about their pick no like i mean there's there's always guys out there what do you make of the just the fact that they already have even though they traded one for Linux, they still have another pick in this draft that will be probably in the the 15 to 20 something range. Yeah. I don't know how many of these picks they're actually going to use. <laughs> I think they're just going to continue to try and, you know, put together packages to hopefully improve the roster. I don't, as much as this team probably needs like a full scale rebuild, just like, again, you have like Scotty Barnes is like your number one and hopefully Barrett and quickly will be the two, three that you're looking for. But a lot of changes need to be made, but at the same time, I think this front office can be very stubborn and they don't like to admit defeat. Um, Masai Ujiri is very proud of this team and he's not the one, like even when talking during press conferences, he kind of flat out refused to say the word rebuild. He was more like, this is a reset of the team. This isn't exactly we're imploding the roster and just going to start from scratch. We're just going to improve upon what we have. Right. I like that mindset a little bit more because rebuilds, uh, we've been a part of those before. They take forever and they are frustrating and they are not watchable on TV. It's okay. Let's just go be the Detroit Pistons. That'd be awesome. That'd be really fun. No. I've seen some Pistons tweets as of late, and that is depressing. I thought Raptors Twitter got pretty bleak, but Pistons Twitter, that's like an elephant graveyard of just bad takes and sad emotions. That, them and the Wizards, man. I, I feel for them, but uh, I've them <laughs> so. but uh, to, to kind of go to, to transition to just the team on the court, obviously you mentioned Scotty Barnes. I think that's obviously, when we look back at this season, that's what we'll think about is, is Scotty Barnes' ascension to being an all-star, even though he didn't get in immediately um and just the elevation that you've that he's taken in his game what like how awesome has it been for you to watch him and maybe like what do you think's kind of clicked for him is it just being a better shooter is it having the ball in his hands much more obviously without Siakam and OG just and obviously Fred as well uh in the offseason what, what what do you think's kind of changed for Barnes this year I think it's a combination of the two things you just mentioned. I think it's more responsibility. I think for Barnes to emerge into this like superstar-esque talent that he's becoming, I think you needed to get rid of Siakam and you needed to get rid of OG Ananobi. It's a little bit hard on him because when you enter the league and you're surrounded by certain players and then all of a sudden you're the guy and you're only 22 years old, that's a lot on your shoulders like really early on in your career. And on top of the shooting as well, this guy was was panned for his shooting during his first two years in the league, and some men maybe thought that this is just not going to be an aspect of his game that is really going to you know improve over time, which is silly because, again, he's still very young, and you can always kind of learn how to shoot over time, not become like the Clay Thompsons of the world, but you could still be an admirable shooter, especially when the ball is going to be in your hands as often as it's going to be in Scotty's. Um, there's been some growing pains, no doubt about it. I think ever since these trades kind of manifested, you know, that there are some like, you know, emotional hurdles that he needs to get over some psychological hurdles as well. Just knowing that, Hey, 
when the game is close at the end, like in the final two, three minutes of the fourth quarter, you are going to be the guy to be called upon. And I think he's still trying to correlate the fact that, you know, he's not just the guy, but I have new pieces around me capable of doing a lot of things. You know, Barrett can take over late in games. We've seen what quickly is capable of as well. But when the going gets tough, it really needs to be Barnes in those moments. That's how he's going to take that next step from an all-star to a top 15, top player and a top 10 player uh, in the association. But it, it's been a lot of fun to watch. You know, I was skeptical of the pick initially, just like a lot of us were when, uh, you know, I was of the Jalen Suggs uh, mindset yeah. because I'm admittedly not a college basketball guy. So when everyone on ESPN and Twitter is saying, oh, yeah, they should probably take Suggs. Kyle Lowry is gone. We need a guard for the future. I was all right. Well, we didn't do that. What's going on with the front office? But Barnes has been incredible. I'm always going to be one of his number one supporters. Uh, he is the face of the franchise moving forward. Um, it's not going to be a perfect ascension, but I like what I see so far. Yeah. And there has been some dialogue about Barnes and maybe his attitude. Like how just late in games, maybe showing up officials in a way, teammates leaving the game early, like just on a scale of like one to 10, like how concerned are you being a 10 and, and maybe not concerned at all being a one? I'm probably like a five and that's pushing it. Like, it's just, it's a lot of maturity that needs to happen. And, you know, lest we forget, like I mentioned, he's only 22 years old and he is now the face of an entire NBA team. Like, he's going to get frustrated. He's not going to get these calls initially. Um, that is just something that he has to establish a rapport with officials and they're going to expect him to generate contact. I always notice those little things, like during Raptors games where he doesn't get a call and the first yeah. initial thing he does is flail his arms in the air and look at the official and be like, why am I not getting these calls? Like... Dude, I get it. Like in the heat of the moment, you are going to get upset about not getting the whistle blown your way. But dude, you kind of have to kind of get back on defense. You are the leader of this team, whether you like it or not. I'm, and I'm sure he is uh, happy about the position that he's in. But I think over time, that's just going to come for him. I think, you know, this season is a lot about growing pains and establishing chemistry with a lot of people and just the self-growth and self-improvement of Scotty Barnes. Those are the big things this year. Uh, I think you hit it completely on the nail um, with that. And, and it's been so fun to watch. Do you think he could be the best player on a championship team? Um, I mean, the skill set is there. Like, I love, I think the NBA is just moving towards guys that are just like a little bit of everything, like Swiss army knives, if you will. Like, I'm I'm a big fan of like the Jokic's and the Sabonis's, not just because of the triple doubles, but because you know, they crash the glass, they're facilitators, they're big guys in the middle, like everything runs through them. I kind of hope Scotty Barnes can ultimately turn into that. I don't know if he can be the number one guy on a championship team, but the Raptors are going to do everything in their power to ensure that he eventually becomes that guy. Yeah, I see I see a little bit of Giannis Jokic merging now, not to that level, but just a guy with obviously his athleticism, just his power and strength that he can kind of bully ball but then has the vision and just a little bit more touch than Giannis does, but not as dominant as an athlete and uh, mm -hmm. as good a passer. Um, before, you know, I, I guess the, the question that I have for you is just being such a big fan for, for so long. Like how much have you been mourning the losses of OG Ananobi and uh, Pascal Siakam now that they're, they're gone and, and uh, you know, arguably better places. I said this on Twitter uh, maybe like a little over a month ago, and I got ripped to shreds about this take. I said, just based on the, the current circumstances surrounding the Raptors, I said, I'm more emotionally invested 
in what Siakam and Ananobi do for the rest of the season with their new teams than I am with anything in the Raptors do. And that doesn't mean that I'm not a fan of the Raptors anymore. I just want to put make that clear. It just means Siakam is in a situation with Indiana where they, in the wide open East outside of like really the Celtics, like the number two seed, I think anything above that, like, Indiana can make a push to get to the conference finals. And the same with the Knicks, too. OG Ananobi has completely turned around the New York's defense. He is probably the greatest thing that ever happened to Tom Thibodeau. Those guys have legitimate aspirations of getting to the conference finals and maybe getting to the NBA finals. So considering how long they were here with the Toronto Raptors, you know, it doesn't mean I'm not a fan of the Raptors. It just means I'm a fan of two guys who were vital parts of this franchise for many, many years. Uh, it hurt to see them go. I was I didn't like the trade initially um, with Siakam to Indiana because I was like, if you're going to make a move with those guys, at least get one of their young pieces. Like they are just stacked to the brim. Like their second unit is just young talent. Like give me a Matherin or like a Nesmith or like whoever. Like just give me something. Uh, and we didn't really get that. It was more so about the picks and and Bruce Brown and and hopefully moving him for something in the future. I like what the Raptors got for the from the Knicks. They always seem yeah. to get quite a bit um, from New York, dating back to that Bargnani trade many many moons ago. Um, but yeah, it, it it definitely hurts. Like you, you get emotionally attached to these players. You watch them on open gym. You watch them in post game interviews, pre game interviews. Like they're like like a part of your life essentially and for a guy like me who's watched and covered the Raptors for as long as I have so I'm excited to see what they accomplish in their new homes uh and yeah I'll be following them hopefully for a couple of deep postseason runs so you're basically saying that if Indiana plays the Raptors on a plan you're cheering for Indiana don't put me in that bind here, buddy. First of all, I know that's not happening because um, <laughs> I think Indiana will be completely out of the play in tournament. But yeah, if push comes to shove and it's like either the Raptors or Siakam or Ananobi, my heart bleeds Raptors red. So I'm, I'm good for those matchups. Exactly. I almost got you there. I almost, you know, I almost got you. Uh, you got me. It's it's late in the afternoon here, but you can't catch me off the guard like that, buddy. Exactly. But and, and you talk about the... Uh... You know, the trades, like, obviously, maybe start about the first one with OG. Just how would you evaluate? Obviously, RG's been really good. Quickly's been up and down, but obviously, you know, he's been good, but maybe not as good as maybe we thought or um, he could have been um, so far this season. Just what, how, just your general thoughts on those two players, and, and do you feel like those are two players that the Raptors really should uh, build around? Yes. Absolutely. Like, I think you don't make that trade unless you think that these guys are integral parts of like the next four to five years. Barrett's obviously locked in. He's blown away any expectation I had. Like, he was kind of like the number two in that trade. Everyone was infatuated with quickly. Like, oh man, we actually got like a point guard we can build around. Like, that's not Fred Van Vliet, like an athletic guard who can drive, who can hit three pointers. And he, don't get me wrong, he, he's still going to be that guy. And thank God he's restricted because if he was unrestricted, the Raptors might be in trouble uh, to keep him. But with Barrett, I mean, the numbers that he's producing, I've always liked guys that, you know, are willing to get to the rim, even if they're not like the biggest guys in the world. Like they like generating contact. Barrett's been very inconsistent with his free throw shot, but I just love his knack for just trying to get to the foul line which the Raptors definitely needed more of. I think he's one of the best shooters like around the paint uh, ever since he actually came to the Toronto Raptors. I think yeah. I saw that stat somewhere, but no fa fantastic trade. 
uh, for Toronto. They even got that second round pick um, that belongs to Detroit, um, which is probably going to be the first or second pick in the second round. And uh, it'll have its own day, apparently, because the second round has its own uh, separate draft day at this point. But yeah, fan honestly, fantastic uh, trade for the Raptors. I quickly is probably going to be the point guard of the future. And again, that's why I'm... It's one of the few things keeping me excited about this season is that if your big three moving forward is Scotty Barrett and quickly, I want to see those guys mesh even more. And hopefully by April, we kind of have a, a more established chemistry. Take the summer to do your thing and then we'll head into next season, hopefully with some momentum. Do you think they've meshed so far and, and do you think they're the right type of pieces to be like you talk about how you like the, them as players, but do you feel mm -hmm. like so far that you've seen what maybe Masai and Bobby have wanted just what, in terms of that point guard that can shoot, decent defender, and then RJ, who's just a, a big wing who's been playing unbelievably well, ever, better than he ever played in New York? Yeah, I mean, they're filling their individual roles well. It's a, just a matter of, like you said, just kind of meshing together. And it kind of goes back to the point I, I made a little while ago about like how Scotty Barnes, at the end of games, he can't always... like. It's great that you have Barrett and Quickly as like your 2-3, but this is Scotty Barnes' team, like I said, and he needs to be taking over in those moments. And we've seen that. Don't get me wrong. It's like it's not. it's never happened. Fourth quarter Barnes, that's kind of like his thing now. Um, but again, I, I like the early signs of what we're seeing from that big three. I don't think it's a big three that can necessarily make a lot of noise, you know, moving forward. I think the Raptors still need another piece or two to kind of fill out this roster. And, and hopefully Grady Dick, uh, who's shown immense improvement since going down to the 905. Um, I, hopefully he can be one of those guys. But yeah, I think if you're if you're Masai and Bobby, like you're feeling good after those trades. Those are two of the most important trades, the ones with Indy and the ones with New York, uh, the franchise has ever made. Um, the jury is still out on the Indiana one, but the New York one, like A plus across the board. It's been really good so far. Yeah, you talk about Dick, and, and it's funny because he's one of those guys where it's the the rookie. You know, he comes into the league, he struggles, and all the fan base is like, "Oh my God, it's a bust." Who did we pick? Look at all the other players that went past him, which, you know, you could still make a huge case that they should have drafted Pod in in, uh, in Golden State and obviously Hackers yeah. and others uh, in Miami. But um, just the way he's been playing since he's come back really into the rotation in the last, what, 10, 15 games, you know, he's making all his threes. He's such a good cutter. He gives you, you know, he's not a great defender, but he's, you know, tall enough to not make him Trey Young on the defensive floor. And, um, it's some, do you think that's something where we really are quick to judge a lot now in kind of the Twitter sphere of Raptors Twitter when, uh, you know, players struggle for a little bit? Yeah, we all want immediate results. Like in a perfect world, we want the, the most bang for our buck for whatever investment we make in a player. And, and look, I am completely guilty of that. I was very harsh on Grady Dick during his initial stages, but I always kind of masked it by saying, I never said he, like, I never said he was a bust. Because you can't determine if someone's a bust within the first two to three months of their career. It just doesn't work like that. Like that, it can be frustrating when you see players drafted after him that are contributing to really good teams, and you're like, "Well, maybe the Raptors dropped the ball with this pick." I think Dick going down to the 905 was the absolute best thing that happened to that guy because when I'm making takes like that on social media, I do it just based on what I'm seeing in the moment. I don't regret saying that Dick did not look like an NBA player during his first few months in the league because he didn't. 
that's not a knock against him saying he can't be an NBA player. It's just saying like for a guy who was drafted with a lottery pick, you expected just a little bit more, but I'm happy to be wrong about that. Like the guy's been playing with a lot more like pep in his step, a lot more self-confidence in his game. And I think a lot of that comes with just getting the minutes. He wasn't going to get minutes with Siakam and Inobi around. So, and Darko obviously has a little bit of faith in him. You brought him on to shoot and he's hitting his three-pointers lately, but he's also getting to the rim. He's also defending his butt off to the best of his ability. He's never going to be a top-tier defender, but he's trying. And I can see that in his game. So, yeah, in general, social media can be like just a cesspool of negativity uh, especially when it comes to professional sports, because there's so much more involved than just like what you watch on TV. You kind of have to realize what's going on behind the scenes. And Grady Dick's done a lot to improve his game. And I think he's in a good standing right now with the, the roster. I just hope he just sees more minutes by the end of the year. Like he's obviously a big part of the future. Why not give him 25, 30 minutes a night? It's interesting because I, I talked to Grange, Michael Grange, and I think it was November of this year. And just talking about, you know, I asked him about, Grady and just said the kid works his butt off like he's mm -hmm. at the time he was obviously struggling and not making any shots but he was like I'm not too worried like I see see the work ethic it's kind of like RJ Barrett where everyone talks about him in terms of just his work ethic and that's why a lot of people were RJ truthers because they knew he would never be like a bust per se because of just his work mm -hmm. ethic um and it's just so interesting to to see him flourish really where he's getting 18 20 point games that he just wasn't before. And I think a lot of that, I think Samson Folk would preach this at the time. Um, just, you know, at the end of the day, he's a shooter. And if uh, the shooter doesn't score or doesn't make those buckets, those three pointers, then he's, you know, not the same type of player. Then he's not useless, but his impact is so much more diminished than now where he's making his shots. It's uh, way different. Yeah, like the, the Raptors didn't draft like Kyle Korver or Reggie Miller or any of like he, he's never he wasn't going to be like this elite sniper right out of the gate. And I think that's something that's bad about social media in general is that if if you draft a shooter and he's not shooting and he's not hitting his shots, well, this guy is completely useless and he can't contribute anything else on the court. That's why I like hearing these little you know anecdotes, like you said, with Michael Grange saying like behind the scenes in practice, there's very few people on the roster working as hard as him. He doesn't need to read social media to say like, hey, I'm not playing up to my potential right now. He gets it. He's not an idiot. But that's why he worked on his game. And that's why you can tell just even in the last couple of games against Brooklyn and Atlanta, like this guy is an entirely different player and someone I can confidently say should be a part of this main core moving forward. And he's only going to get better too, just like, you know, Scotty Barnes did. He was rookie of the year. And now look at him. He's a, he's an all-star, you know, uh, you know, improvement is not like a linear path. Like yeah. there's going to be some bumps along the way. And Dick is evident of that. Yeah. And it's so interesting because like the things he was doing well, before, like when he was in a slump and he just couldn't really make a shot was like great cutter and like, just mm -hmm. things off the ball and now you can see that like he's cutting like what was it last against the hawks where uh you know he does a pick and roll with with scotty and then dives down gets a nice pass cuts and makes a layup and it's just like those types of kind of plays is something that like not every shooter has right like kyle corver didn't have that but grady dick has that so you can kind of see the evolution of his game on display just in the recent um play of late uh, where he's making shots, but then doing the other little things that show that he's not just a shooter. There's much more to his game, especially if he's making the shots, then obviously it, it's it's paramount and, and obviously 
makes it way better for him. But to to go a little bit more to the squad, like obviously, uh, you know, there's one rookie in Grady Dick. There's also been a rookie coach in Darko. Just how would you judge Darko's season so far for maybe a, you know, just overall, like would you say it's been good, bad, maybe a, like a letter grade from A to, to D or F? It's it's I mean, my initial reaction is probably like a C, but like in my head, I'm like, it's probably like a TBD. Like, it's really hard to say for a guy who's like a first year head coach and he was thrown into a situation where he probably envisioned, I mean, at least in his mind, like having Siakam in and it'll be around a little bit longer. Um, but surely he must have known like, hey, like this roster is probably going to go through a complete makeover uh by the time your first year with the franchise is complete um it's not just a learning experience for the players it's a learning experience for darko like this is the first time he's ever done something like this he's more of a player's coach than nick nurse ever was nick nurse was like the mad scientist x's and o's guy coming up with like a box in one and trying to get really creative and not to say Darko can't become something like that, but I think Darko's bond and relationship with the players uh, is starting to, to show with results on the court. He's a very passionate guy. Um, we all remember that infamous rant. Uh, he went on, you know, talking about like Scotty Barnes is going to be one of the greatest players uh, in the NBA. Like he stands up for his guys. Like, but as any first year coach, like there's been a lot of just kind of like bumps in the road in terms of like how his rotations work who he's giving his minutes to, the play calls down the stretch. But you can nitpick at things that Nick Nurse did, even like during his you know, later years with the Raptors. Like there's always going to be issues like that. I'm still confident that Darko is the head coach the Raptors need, but he has to grow with this team. I don't think letting him go at the end of the year just because the season has kind of fallen to the oh. wayside, which I've seen kind of people throw about. And even I've kind of hinted like maybe he's not the right guy, but you know, take a step back and take a deep breath and you realize the circumstances of this team. So yeah, I'd give it a, probably a C with the, with the room to grow, but yeah, in actuality, it's, it's just too hard to gauge at this point. I, th I think the way I feel you gauge a coach is does he make the team better than maybe the sum of their parts? Right. And mm. I think with Darko, I haven't really seen that, but I wouldn't say it's Monty Williams where it's like, Oh my God, what is happening? Right. With the yeah. <laughs> No offense to Monty Williams, but uh, that's there's a lot. Yeah, I'm not the only one to to mention that, but that's why I think a C or maybe even a B minus might be fair. Um, I think, as you mentioned, like the culture is way better. It seems like in terms of just like the camaraderie, which does make a big impact on the court. I think if last year's Raptors really liked each other, they might have gone more like 48 and 35 <laughs> rather than or 36 rather than uh, 41 and 41. So. Mm -hmm. uh, and also now, like, you can't really blame him for the team losing. The NBA's way deeper. I don't think this Raptors team, even with OG and Pascal, was much more than a 500 team. Um, and uh, so I, I don't blame him too much. But at the same time, I think you're right to say, like, he has a lot of growing to do. Um, I keep thinking, and this is my, you know me, my Canada basketball ties. I wonder if Jordy Fernandez would have maybe been a better coach. I really loved what he did with Canada. Obviously, he was a option um and there was other options as well but I, I think about that often about Jordy because I loved he's a bit of a hard ass but also the players like him like he's a players coach mm -hmm. but a ass and with Darko it doesn't feel like he has a bit of the hard ass in him that I think might be sometimes necessary but mm -hmm. um at the end of the day I think a C or a B minus seems fair to me 
I think, yeah, like Jordy, just, yeah, based off, you know, his success with Canada would have been an interesting choice for this team. I've actually been more critical of just the makeup of the roster, like you said. Yeah. Like, you know, you gauge a coach based on what they can get out of the team in front of them. But at the same time, this Raptors team had glaring holes, like even just entering the season. Like they had little size outside of Pirtle. Um, a lot of guys who needed the rock in their hand that was kind of taking away from Scotty's development. OG wanted more looks, you know, was Dennis Schroeder supposed to be the, the point guard that could really elevate this team? Obviously not because he's in Brooklyn. So I think they've tr obviously tried to put band-aids on things, you know, getting a Linux from Utah for a little bit more size and length in the middle and some outside shooting kind of knocked Boucher out of the rotation as well. Um, you know, Ajabi um, from from Utah as well, kind of just like a nice young pick um, who was drafted early like a few years ago. Like he's like a project that you can work on as well. But yeah, I've, I think Darko deserves less heat than say like Masai and Bobby just for the way this team looked for most of the year. But again, they've at least made attempts to to rectify that. You you lined right into my question and that will be about Masai and Bobby. Do you still trust them? Mm -hmm lead this team back to maybe the the promised land I'm, I'm not saying another championship but to get back to becoming a perennial 45 51 team yes because they've done it before like at least you know it's it's in the proof right there like you just look at what they've accomplished since they've taken over the raptors like they're not afraid to make big bold moves I, I hope Masai and Bobby don't live off of that Spurs trade <laughs> for the rest of their lives. Like, yeah, we we had a, an all-star in DeMar DeRozan who wanted to be here and loved being here. And we got rid of him in a heartbeat for a guy who left after a season, but ultimately brought this franchise a championship. I like that. I like the bold, like, take a shot. If, if you don't get it, then you're going to be basically rebuilding anyway. So I'm cool with that. And if you look back at my tweets, yeah, I've been super critical of Bobby Emisai just because of some of the moves. And I'm still waiting to see if that Pacers trade for Siakam, you know, Siakam easily like a top 25, 30 player in the league. Like if that's going to, you know, with those draft picks and, and what they ultimately get for Brown, um, how that's going to look. But for, for the time being, yeah, like I'm I'm confident in their ability to kind of like, like they, they put it, reset the team. See what you can do with Scotty Barnes, like building around him, hopefully quickly and bear to those guys. But yeah, I'm it's been a lot of ups, it's been like a roller coaster of emotions when it comes to how I feel about the front office. Now it's fine because we know what, what the team is looking like for the rest of the year. This summer gonna be very interesting. What what do you think they should do this summer, just in terms of allocation? Like, do you try to bring back Gary Trent? Do you bring back Bruce Brown, which with the team option, but it's for, for like 20 million? Um, just do you try to, you know, use take the picks that you finally have and try to go out there for a star. Like what would you try to do if you were Bobby Masai in the off season? I'd, I'd still try and package like one or like one or two of their picks with Brown and see what you can get for him. I'm still surprised that they didn't trade him uh, at the deadline, but clearly they didn't like what was being presented for him. Um, and that's been the MO of the Raptors. If they don't like what, <laughs> what the option is, what the package is, that's, I mean, they probably could have got more for Ananobi and Siakam if they just did it a year ago. Um, and same with Van Vliet who left in the summer and they got literally nothing for him, which still bums me out. Um, but I think that's probably the best case scenario. I really hope they don't use all of their picks because, you know, filling out the end of the bench with just more projects, um, that you're likely just going to send down to the 905 anyway. Like, that's not really expediting the process of improving this team. See what you can get for Brown. 
um, a, a guy who he's just not in the right situation. I just yeah. think he's a guy that should be a reserve on a team with championship aspirations. I don't think he should have ever left Denver. Uh, Denver right now with Brown off the bench. I know he got paid by, yeah, by Indiana. You know, like, get your money. Yeah. Um, but I w- ideally, I would have loved for him to stay in, in Denver because they had a good thing going and at least try and run it back for a championship. Shout out to Kawhi. Um, but yeah, for the Raptors, I think if they are really adamant about doing a reset, see what you can get for Brown. Um, lock in quickly to a long-term deal. I don't think... I mean, there's going to be offers out there, but at least he's restricted. And then it's just going to be a lot of like improvement over the summer. Get these guys into a training camp, have them play pickup over the summer, whatever you got to do. Build up that chemistry and rapport. And then starting in October, later this year, fingers crossed it's a lot better. But I think this team just needs a summer. Yeah. What what would you do with uh, Trent? Would you try to resign him? I would let him go. I think I think I think time has has come. He's played better. Um, again, he's getting more shot opportunities and he's hitting his shots. Um, but I just think that money can be better allocated elsewhere. Uh, he's still young. He could still obviously latch onto another team. It's just based on what he's probably going to command. Um, I just don't think he's probably worth it anymore. Do, do you think he'll command a lot of money? I think someone will overpay him. I don't think he probably deserves to be overpaid because he has been very inconsistent, especially offensively. Um, but he can also defend. Like he was near the top in deflections for a stretch there as well. Like he's good with steals. Like he's not just a one trick pony um, with his shot. But I think someone out there will probably pay him more than he's worth. Um, and then I think that's just going to knock the Raptors out of the market. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, he's making, I think it's like $18 million this year. Uh, not worth that. But, uh, you know, he's a computer. Yeah. <laughs> He's been such a good shooter on a team that really needs shooting. Although with the complexion of the trades, they actually have much more shooting than they used to be with Grady Dick's little re- renaissance. It's It's been good to, to see that now they have more of a team around Scotty that with shooters, right? Like outside of obviously Pirtle and uh, RJ, um, the teams uh, for the most part, um, a lot of like good shooters. Quickly, Dick, um, Abaji can if his feet are set. Olenek, right? Like they have much more shooting around uh, the team. What do you think of maybe that Olenek trade, but more kind of broadly, the the Raptors really leaning into the Team Canada playing for for the Raptors? Bust out the meme, you know, Thanos going for the stones. Get all the Canadian players. Go get Murray. Go get go just Alexander. Get whoever. If if they have Canadian citizenship, bring them to the Raptors. Um, look, I I hope they don't fall into that trap. Don't get me wrong. It's easy. You know, we the North, Toronto, Canada's team, all that stuff. Barrett just made sense to bring aboard. And Olenek, like, you could see, like, just from his answers, the guy is excited to be a Toronto Raptor. I don't know how many more, like, steady years he still has left in the league. But Mm -hmm. for a guy who, like, grew up in the city, dreamed probably of being a Raptor when he was a kid. I think he mentioned that he was, like, shooting on his driveway and pretended he was at the Air Canada Center or whatnot. Like, that's friggin' awesome. We need guys like that who want to be in Toronto. That's always been like a, a red flag about this franchise is that no one ever really wanted to be here unless you were actually here and then you realized how great of a city this is, how great of an organization this is. But that's why the Raptors could never sign anybody. Like how many really top tier free agents ever signed with the Raptors? You could probably name them on like two, three fingers. Like there's just not a lot. Mario um, 
Oh yeah, Damari Carroll and Hito Turk glues of the world. Like, yeah, just a smorgasbord of small forwards that you were trying to incorporate into this team. Just a embarrassing uh of riches here. But um no, Olenek, yeah, I mean, they needed a backup five and he can stretch the floor. I feel bad for Boucher because they have similar roles and Olenek's gonna get those minutes above Chris. But uh, again, I, I like, you know, having more Canadian talent on Canadian Canada's only team. Like, what's the harm in that, right? I also think, like you, you mentioned it, like no one wants to be here. And now you get guys that want to be here. But also, I think that can be something like, you know, you, I mean, there's a lot of good Canadian players. It's not like we're picking up, I don't know, trying not to offend other people, but like an Italian player, or, I don't know, some player from wherever, <laughs> right? Like we have the most amount of NBA players outside of, the the u.s mm -hmm. and i think that's something that they should lean on to because they're not going to get players from the u.s that want to come here but yeah like i don't know if murray or shea come but you know look at a mather and nemhard all these guys that are really good yeah. players that will like would help your team um shade and sharp maybe down the line like who, who, you never know right and i think it's just smart business in a lot of ways like it's not like um rj barrett is not an impactful player for this team it's not like kelly olenic isn't like a serviceable veteran player right like it's on 15 men 15th men that they're picking up um so i think it's something that they should lean into now i'm not saying solely get a guy just because they're canadian but i think that does have a lot of value in terms of re-signing guys keeping guys long term like do you think rj bear is going to walk in free agency uh, probably not unless the Raptors aren't going to pay him what he feels is worth. But if the money's the same, he's not going to, I would find it very hard for him to leave. Right. So it's, I think that's like, it, it's a smart thing to do. And it's kind of cool. Like it feels maybe like five years too late in terms of the Raptors acquiring all these uh, Canadian players, just with all the influx of Canadian basketball talent in the NBA, but uh, it's awesome to see. And uh, it makes it easier for me. Cause I just say I covered everyone on the Raptors for Canada. Mm -hmm. So I take that as a selfish little nod to me. So thank you, Masai. Don't, and don't underestimate because uh, it's been like a, a hotly debated topic as of late, like the Vince Carter era, era where, you know, should the Raptors like retire his jersey or whatnot. And I always go back to the point of like, if you were around during that time and how impactful he was, like how mainstream box office, the guy was like headlining all the, the sports center top tens. Like he was the Toronto Raptors for a very long time that compounded by the 2019 championship like even like the players in the league right now you can't help but look at how amazing that run was and how this entire country rallied around that roster you know the parade the the crowds at Jurassic Park the turnouts for all for all of the players in the team like it was incredible that's basically just a marketing tool for free agents down the road being like hey even if you're not canadian come to the, to the Toronto Raptors we will rally behind you we will you and you will love your time here. And hopefully that will kind of pay dividends down the road. And uh, we'll see if uh, uh, SGA uh, wants to be a Toronto Raptor. You never know. Oklahoma City might implode. Fingers crossed. Yeah, they look. <laughs> they really look like they're going to implode. Really on that that trajectory. I really think. That yeah, I mean, I'm just, just really yeah. hoping, uh, you know, Holmgren just to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know what's funny? About Don't take that. this away from me. <laughs> we, what's funny about that when you talk about like guys not wanting to stay in, in Canada, I think it's different for international players. And I think, you know, I've 
Like you watch the All-Star game, there's so many international players. Sabonis, Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, technically not, but he really is from Cameroon, although he's going to somehow play for the U.S. You can explain that to me another day. But obviously, Wembenyama, just there's such like an influx of great um, players not from the U.S. And I think that changes the dynamic of free agency of acquiring players because they don't have that same hesitation that I think if you grew up in New York or Boston or Chicago or wherever, L.A., you're you're kind of used to being in the States and not being in the States is a huge difference. But if you're Giannis and you come all the way from Greece, it's just like, well, I'm just in North America. It's not it's not the same difference. And I think that yeah. would be something we see in a while. And obviously there was a lot of smoke with Giannis to, to Raptors. Maybe that comes back one day. But um, I think it's just a bit different in the league now than it was with Vince Carter when there was no real, you know, great foreign players outside of, I guess, Steve Nash and, and a couple others. Um, so I think that might change yeah. things for the rappers in terms of being free agency. It's just a, not a lot of like, I mean, the, the LeBron era is going to end soon. Durant won't be around much longer. Stephen Curry, like even America in general is just looking for their next top guy. It's probably Jason Tatum. It's probably Anthony Edwards. Like it's probably a few other guys, but the international flavor right now, it's an international game. It's an international league. Wembenyama. Just this absurd, the absurd numbers he's putting up. Sabonis and Jokic are just triple double machines. Don uh, Luka Doncic, of course, can't be forgotten yeah. as well. Like this is the most diverse crop of like elite level talent probably the league has ever seen. And yeah. I like that there isn't like a distinct face to the league anymore. It used to be LeBron. It's not LeBron anymore. It's just a combination of everybody who's like just a a superstar level talent because there's so many of them. And you're really going to see that over the next five years when some of these aging veterans leave the league and you're going to be like, holy crap, this guy from France, this guy from Slovenia, this guy from, you know, wherever. Like the NBA is just probably the best it's been since I've started watching. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I completely agree. And I'm a big Bill Simmons guy. So I'll, I'll steal the thing that he says all the time is that I think the league has never been deeper, at least since I've been a kid. I don't think maybe you could qualm yeah. with it in the 80s with less teams. But like, I'm just I was just thinking to myself and, and think about those Raptors teams that made the conference finals. And I'm like, does that Raptors team even make the play in now? Like, truthfully, I don't yeah. know. Like the league is so deep. You look at the West, like Sacramento, Dallas is struggling to make it out of the play in. Uh, the LA teams, like it's right now, it's Golden State in LA and it's the 9 10. And you look at those rosters and it's LeBron, Steph, like they're not bad teams per se, but there's just so much talent in the league. And even like this Raptors team, right? Like I think this Raptors team eight years ago was like a 46 win team, maybe, arguably. And now, because the league's so deep there, whatever the record is, 19 or, or it's a 21 and 36. I think that's it as we're recording. So um, mm -hmm. just, I love the league right now. It's so much fun. And uh, yeah, maybe, maybe let the defenses be a little bit, you know, have a little bit more uh, ability to, for players to defend. But outside of that, it, there's so much skill in this league and uh, you know, I love to see it. The worst team in the Western conference right now has the, what's probably the phase of the league in like the next two to three years in Victor Wembanyama. Like, yeah. again, it just proves your point that the NBA in general, like if you mentioned, you said the Raptors in the conference finals, like what, if you said like a team with Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Bismack Biombo, Luis Scola, 
was in the conference finals, how would they fare today? Yeah, you're absolutely right. They just get pummeled into the ground. But it, again, I, it's just basketball players in general are just getting better and better. They're watching the Currys and the LeBrons. Like this is the, that new era of people like, this is what I need to do to be successful in the NBA. I need to be athletic. I need to do a little bit of everything. And I absolutely need to be able to shoot, which creates a more exciting product for us and a more deep and compelling you know, playoff picture uh, for who wins the NBA championship. I had that viral tweet uh, at the end of the last year's championship saying there's been a new champion each year for the last five years, which we've only seen, what you haven't seen since like the late seventies. And if everything checks out with the team that has the best odds right now, the Boston Celtics, it's going to be six for six, which is crazy. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe that. I, I am taking the under or, negative betting i don't know if that's a thing you're the betting expert but i don't believe in boston yeah. not because they're not good i just i worry about them down the stretch but they they are an amazing team and uh we'll see do you have a finals pick before i let you go just on that topic yeah i mean if they don't make the finals that's awful for them because the east right now should be a cakewalk philly you don't know if Embiid's coming back and even if he does you don't know if he's going to be 100 percent Milwaukee uh, can't defend. They've gotten a little bit better defensively since Rivers came on, but not enough to be like, can they win three seven-game series to get to the finals? Um, Cleveland and New York, I mean, I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. I really like New York if they're healthy, but they haven't been healthy as of late, which is why they're losing. Um, my NBA Finals pick right now, at the just for context, at the start of the year, I think I said it was going to be the Bucks and Nuggets. Um I don't like the the Bucks right now. So I think my safe bet is I'm going to say the Celtics. And if they stay healthy, I think the Clippers, um, I would mm-hmm. take them in a seven game series against the, against the Nuggets. Um, I will probably eat those words. Um, but, uh, James Harden. Yeah. In the playoffs. Ooh, scary. Oh no. It's also Kawhi Leonard in the, it's also Kawhi been Leonard amazing. in the playoffs. He's, yeah. He's like he's in season two. He's I, been I, unbelievable. Yeah. There's just so many ifs with injuries. Like look at Phoenix. LA, you just never know. Like the Clippers, I mean, even the Lakers. Um, I worry about Boston if there's any KP injury with Porzingis. I, I think they might fall apart if they don't have him. I think he's really their secret weapon that makes them the best team in the league right now. Um, but so many questions. But I like that. So so it's it's so you're going Clippers Boston final. Here's my hot take. Here's my hot take. I think Boston is gonna lose just a single game on route to the finals and then they're going to lose the finals oh okay okay i was gonna yeah say, oh my god okay yeah that makes no sense. they're gonna lose one in the east because the east is terrible like no matter what they end up with in the east maybe if they get like indiana like indiana could probably like shock them for two or whatever just because of their offense but that's my hot take boston loses one game on route to the finals and then they lose in five or six to either the clippers or nuggets i'm going i'm going i still love denver man I I, I yeah. think the best player in the world is Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray's way better player in the playoffs. I'm going Denver and I'll, I'll tell, say Celtics. I'm a bit worried that I, I, I know you talk about uh, Milwaukee. I just think they have like the best player in that conference. I think that will be there and that's hard to kind of lose, even though they did lose in, in the first round last yeah. year. Like, <laughs> I just like that, and I think Dame's so good in the clutch. I think for them, it's like, can they get it to cl- like clutch, like to the last two minutes within you know four or five points? If it's if you know the game gets out of hand, then obviously they're losing. But I think it'll be for them just to 
stay in it a lot of games because their defense is so poor. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating uh, off season, a fa fascinating uh, playoffs. And I'm really excited because it's like, honestly, I feel like this might be the best playoff basketball we'll ever see. At least I've ever seen just with how much, how many good teams there are in the entire league. I, I'm, I'm just before we sign off here, I I'm writing an article right now, like updating like the championship odds for odd shark. Man, people are sleeping on Minnesota, man. Like Minnesota, yeah. it would not surprise me if they get to the conference finals. I, I know, like they're, everyone's in like a wait and see kind of mood because it's literally like the same team, and they just won like forty two games last year, and all of a sudden they're having this insurgence or whatever. But they have everything they need. They need they have top tier scoring. They have incredible coaching. They have the man in the middle with Gobert, who's undoubtedly the defensive player of the year. No one can deny that at this point. Like Minnesota, like they've been the best team in the west like they've been the number one seed for more more often than they haven't and no one seems to give them a shot uh when it matters most so again they could fizzle out in the first round for all i know if they get like the lakers or the warriors or something like that but they're also good enough to be like they can get to the conference finals and maybe even get to the finals this year so stay tuned there you go you said it perfectly also watch out for okc i don't know i don't think they'll make the finals but i think It'll be really interesting to mm -hmm. see what they do just being so young and with shape. But uh, thanks so much for doing this, Chris. Anything you want to plug quickly before I uh, let you go? Uh, well, first of all, congratulations to you. I know you're approaching your 100th episode on the podcast. That's Thank surreal. Uh, that's hard work uh, for someone who used to do a podcast. So uh, kudos to you, my friend. Thank you for having me. Always appreciate it. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, Mount Walder Sports. Find my writing at oddshark.com. I'm basically doing all of the NBA coverage there for now. Um, so keep it locked on there. And uh, occasionally I'm over at Raptors Republic. I'll be doing a little bit more in the month of March uh, covering some post-game stuff. So uh, yeah, just give me a follow and uh, appreciate the support as always. Yeah, everyone, uh, Chris is such a great Twitter follow. I I, I always see him, you know, making uh you know amazing tweets and people getting up in arms about whatever you say and i'm i'm <laughs> typically i'm on your side uh for i'd say like 90 percent of it so uh check out your yeah. stuff love your stuff at odd shark and uh thanks so much for doing this